Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. A little technical glitch. Sorry for the minute or so delay there. Welcome to each of you. Dee and Donna. Hey, Mom. Jonathan. Barbara. June. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this each and every morning. And you'll see today in today's subject, oh, it sounds kind of foreboding, the soul's Armageddon countdown to the end. How much more foreboding can you get than get? I just got a foggy field behind me because it just seems so foreboding. And so, but you're going to see today how important gathering like this is and getting together with people who can encourage you down life's road, especially when we come to the end of this road. And by saying the end of the road, I don't mean something bleak and forlorn. I'm talking about the object of the soul's desire, that we're going to make it into the portals of glory. And I thank God for you. Thank God for you being here. So Hope, Anita, Sarah, Patty, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Like, share, follow the page. You do that so well. And you know what? You're looping more and more people into this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing in this moment, in this time together. So I this Tuesday, October 20, I, I'm looking at what's coming next. That's what we saw yesterday in this countdown to the end. And what a week we've got planned here. I I've just been praying early this morning and just sensing that the Lord desires for me to speak on these prophetic themes. Now, I hope that's not too oppressive for you. I hope you don't say, oh, I'm just going back to bed. Uh, This is it. You came here for an encouraging word. You don't want a discouraging word. But I, I believe today will give you some incentive, incentive to carry forward. Normally, when we talk about prophecy, we speak chronologically. We want to set out time frames, timelines, put events into place, outline each and everything. But the themes I'm talking about this week are somewhat timeless, and they defy our exact expectation, like the hows and winds of the Lord's return and the exact detail and unfolding of this final awakening. Some some can't abide that. They've got to have everything They believe that everything has its place and everything has to be in its place. I get that. I got that mindset. I understand that. But as the last of the last days appear, when the final moments slip from the calendar, it's probably going to defy everyone's expectations. And a lot of things are just not going to go according to plan. And that's why we must cling to the absolutes and anchors in these troubled times, like Jesus is coming soon. Oh, yes, he is. Watch, for you know not the day nor the hour. We talked about that yesterday. But in this week of the countdown to the end, I want to talk today about the soul's Armageddon. Now, we know what Armageddon is. It's the final battle. Let me just, spoiler alert, we win. How's that? How's that? It's the war to end all wars. When Jesus comes with myriads, ten thousands of his saints on white horses, and there he and he alone, by the word of his power, will slay the world's warriors. What a day that will be. 
But I'm not talking today about that physical battle. I'm talking about the spiritual battle we now face. For long before the battle is ever fought in the physical realm, it's going to be faced first in the spiritual realm. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's pretty powerful. We win or we lose in the invisible world. So long before the armies of the earth square off in the valley of Megiddo, long before the saints of the ages are revealed from heaven, the righteous are going to square off against the last enemy. Let me call that today the soul's Armageddon. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there any way, is there one way that you can tell when you're close to an answered prayer? Is there one way you know that you're on the edge of a miracle? A single simple measure of realizing that the object of my faith, my belief, my hope is closer than I can imagine. Scripture would say that in many cases, there is a way to tell. And the answer is going to surprise you. And uh, in fact, I just, I searched around and here's the verse that I feel like sharing today. It's it's the final verse before Moses begins to describe the boundaries of the promised land and begins to describe the division of the inheritance between the tribes of Israel. It's just before the victors lay hold on their share of Canaan's land, that fair and happy haven, that land flowing with milk and honey, that land of blessings is the last verse before the promises come. And Moses chooses to reveal the last of the last struggles that God's people are going to face. It's Deuteronomy 3 and 11. Moses said, there's a giant. Now, they faced many giants, the Nephilim and the Rephim. There was the last giant, Og of Bashan. More than anything else, the description involves the giant's enormous bed. It was truly a king-sized bed. And when Moses is writing this, he said, it's still there. It's still as a memento, visible and on display, nine cubits long, four cubits wide, 13 and a half feet long, six feet wide. The last giant that they would face was described by the bed in which he slept, his place of rest. Now, isn't that odd? The final imagery of all the struggles, what began with cruel oppression in Egypt, through the tinplex, through the ground calf of false worship, through the flaming censer of plague and pestilence, through the false flames of false worship in the open, yawning pit of rebellion. It comes down to this. One final obstacle before the promised land was a place of rest. You see, the soul's Armageddon. The greatest temptation, the way you know you're almost to an answered prayer is when you sense a spirit of fatigue hits you and the desire to slow down and you just feel like I've worked so hard, I'm just going to dog it at the end of the race. Before you inherit, you're going to fight some fatigue. That is the soul's Armageddon. Before you're going to fight a battle in the physical realm, before you declare victory, before you get your share of the promised land, I don't understand it. I can't explain it, except to say that right before the promise comes, you're going to feel like giving up. Oh, can I get a witness right there? Right before the answer to the prayer comes, you're going to feel like 
stopping praying. But I'm saying when the night gets the darkness, oh, when the night gets the darkness and the promised day is beckoning, that's when you've got to hold on for the daylight and hold on to the promise. You are in the midst of the soul's Armageddon when you want to give up, when you want to throw in the towel, when you want to say it's not worth it, when you feel tempted to say, I can't do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I, I want to share an insight with you. I, I, I believe I have Bible to back this up. It's a personal observation. Uh, contrary to what many people think, I am not an early poor person or an early morning person. I'm not. You wouldn't know that. The only morning I may get a chance to sleep until the sun is close to rising is Saturday. Every other morning I'm up from one to three in the morning. And what, why is it? I, I, I find that's when I hear God best. And I can't do what I do every day in these devotions and on the weekends and ministering to people without hearing the voice of God because what you receive in the darkness, that's what you give in the light. And years ago, when I first started ministering in Sunday school classes, I, I, I had to do it. It was the only time of the week I could do it. I would get up early on Sunday morning and but then I started hearing something. I could, I, I could hear the voice of God early in the morning hours. I couldn't hear him any longer when the world got busy. I couldn't hear him, that still small voice over the noise of the squeaky wheel demanding the grease. I couldn't hear him over the honking horns and the tyranny of the urgence and the constant notifications and phone calls. I hear him best early in the morning when I should and could be sleeping. I find that's when God starts speaking. That's when he talks to me. You see it in the life of David. He had a special harp hung over his bed, so sensitive that it could catch the night breeze and would begin to sound. It would awaken him. In the night, he said, his song will be with me. Or in the life of the son of David, Jesus frequently was praying in the night hours, in the early morning hours. The closest I can get to a scriptural explanation is found in the story of the struggling disciples. It's dark, they're in a boat, the wind's against them, and they're struggling. And that's when Jesus chose to come to them. In the fourth watch of the night, that's from three in the morning to six in the morning. That's an unusual time. But you see it often in the Bible, the fourth watch. That's when Jacob wrestled with God just before his new destiny. That's when God's people made their exodus from Egypt. That's when Moses led the Israelites across the Red Sea, the fourth watch of the night. That's when Gideon's 300 defeated the Midianite multitude, the fourth watch of the night. That's when angels appeared to announce the birth of the Messiah in the night sky of Bethlehem, the fourth watch of the night. That's when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It's the fourth watch, the final hours before sunrise. Solomon said in Proverbs 8, those that seek me early shall find me, and blessed is the one who waits the post of my door. You are at the doorway of a new deliverance and the entrance into a new world and a new day. And Jesus came to his followers at the fourth watch of the night, walking on the water, and Mark says that he was simply going to pass them by. 
He's simply going to pass them by. That's what he chose to appear in that in-between state of night and day, walking on water just before dawn. It's what people have called the hour of God. Before you get suited up for the daylight, before you put your mask on, before the psyche is disguised and armed, God's going to speak to the soul. He's going to appear to you. When the need and the desire and the expected thing is sleep, it's when God chooses to show up and says, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation. You're going to walk on water too. You shall do the impossible. I'm not saying God is invisible at other times. I'm not saying God can't be God at other times, the day and night. But what I am saying is God chooses those early morning hours. It's when he speaks to me. And it's now happened so often over 40 years. That's when pretty much every message I get, it happens then. Why am I telling you this? Because I see a distinct parallel between that day and our day. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. There is a new day about to dawn and the promised land is in sight and everything within us will want to go back to bed. We're tired. We're overwhelmed. We're saying, I can't go on. It's this giant bed of fatigue. It's this giant bed of slumber between us and a new day. At Gethsemane, do you think it was simply physical fatigue that prompted those apostles to sleep? They were awakened by Jesus three times. Or do you think that they were overwhelmed in their soul and that there was a spiritual battle taking place as well? They weren't just rubbing sleep out of their eyes. Their souls were overwhelmed. A sense of, if I could just close my eyes, maybe 2020 would disappear. If I could just close my eyes, maybe this world would just go away. Go away. Make this world just go away. Disappear. That this night would end. And the closer we come, hear me, saints, the closer we come to the end of it all. Listen to me, morning devotion, folks. The closer we come to the end of it all, we're going to be battling this present darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. But now is no time to slumber. That was the last verse before the division of the promised land is you're going to encounter a place where you will want to stretch out and sleep. But to sleep now is the sleep is to sleep the sleep of death. It's the fatigue of fatality. It's a soul's Armageddon. I wrestled with this subject this morning. How can I best explain it? How can I best share what I'm feeling right now? I struggled for language, struggled for words and I settled on that imagery of a giant bed on the edge of the promised land. And I I think that says it well, a picture is worth a thousand words. But then my mind started thinking on the edge of the promised land. And I went back and I started thinking through that 40-year journey Israel had been through. You remember the departure from Egypt? It began in the fourth watch of the night. At midnight, the angel of the Lord had passed over. And so began the process of deliverance when Moses went and made one final appeal before Pharaoh, let my people go. And then staffs in hand, just before a new day, awake and alert, the moving out order began. As I considered that this morning, something clicked in my mind and spirit. Some dots began to connect. And it seems so evident what I've never thought about before. One of my favorite verses is in Deuteronomy 6. And not Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's a wonderful verse. But there's another verse. 
where God states his intent. I brought them out of the land of bondage that I might bring them into the land of promise, that our redemption is twofold. It's a bringing out, it's a departure, it's a setting free. We call that exodus. That's the Greek word meaning departure, exodus. But it's also an arrival. I brought you out, exodus, to bring you in. The Greek word here would be isodus. We focus on Exodus. We talk about it. We study it. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set me free. We talk about being set free, but we don't give similar attention to the Exodus where God brought them in. God desires to bring you out Exodus, but he also desires to bring you in Exodus. Do you know where Exodus is used several times in the New Testament? It means entrance, arrival, coming. 2 Peter 1.11 is my favorite use of the word Exodus. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For so an isodus will be supplied to you. God impressed on me early this morning. He said, you see my work in the exodus, that in the wee hours of the morning, I can bring deliverance. But you're going to see my work at the isodus, at the last clash, at the soul's Armageddon. Before you and I enter into that everlasting kingdom and receive what God has promised for us, the same God that brought us out is going to bring us in. The exodus will become the isodus. The the exit will become the entrance. And we're going to battle fatigue and spiritual stupor, but the Lord is going to take us by the hand and he's going to pull us along. We may falter, we may fall behind, we may get disoriented, we may make mistakes, we'll want to settle down. We're on the edge of the promised land. You are fighting the soul's Armageddon. Paul said it like this, there's an open door, but there are many adversaries. The enemy of the Isodus, the enemy of the entrance is the giant's resting place. It's the soul's Armageddon. It's feeling like you're overwhelmed and fatigued. You see it in the seven churches of Asia in Revelation 2 and 3. What began with Ephesus, first love, ended with Laodicea, ho-hum. The spiritual Armageddon we're going to face at the end is a pervasive fatigue, a crushing exhaustion, a feeling of being overwhelmed and just saying, I I can't go on. Let me just rest. Let me just rest. How do you defeat this giant at the soul's Armageddon? What sling and stone are going to help you? you got to learn the power is not in you. It's something more than human willpower. Isaiah 40, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He doesn't get faint. He doesn't get weary and he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth are going to get faint and weary. Even the young men are going to utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run, not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I wish you'd just give it up. Melissa and Becky and Donna and Mel and Petra, just give it up and say, thank God for the strength to see my spiritual arm Armageddon through. There's three things I want you to see about this passage that'll help you at the end of it all. First, go ahead and admit it. I'm tired. I'm weak. (laughs) I'm weary. Admit it. Second, 
Find your strength in God. Those who wait on the Lord are going to renew their strength. To wait on him means to rely on him and find your strength and help in him. I think that's what every child of God has got to do. When you reach the soul's arm again and that immense sense of fatigue and being overwhelmed, call on his name as never before. You and I get weary, but he neither sleeps nor slumbers. We get fatigued, but he never gets weak and faint. And third, hear me carefully. This is when we need one another. We need one another. We've got to encourage one another across this finish line. If you're going to make it to the Isodus, to the entrance of the everlasting kingdom and be welcomed with celebration there, what matters is you finish. And we've got to help one another finish, to encourage one another, to prompt and provoke one another, to help one another. That's why Solomon said two are better than one. If one falls, the other can lift him up. Woe, woe to the one who is alone when he falls. That We need each other in this morning devotion to encourage each other. Let's get to the finish line. You say, Pastor, you've covered a lot of territory. Let me just summarize here. The same God who brought us out, Exodus, will bring us in, Isodus. Just before we enter the promised land, we are on a face. The soul's Armageddon. You're going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like laying down. You're going to feel like throwing in the towel. Oh, praise God. Now, all of you that are holier and more righteous than all the rest of us, you got up and polished your halo this morning. You don't need this. But all of the rest of us that can get weary and well doing, that we can get to the place that we just say, does it really matter? Am I making a difference? Does it count? Do I have to try so hard? Why don't I just forget about it? To those of us who talk to each other and to ourselves like that, here's what you and I need. We need somebody to say, you're going to make this. Put their hands together and say, come on, come on. Would you, would you walk with me? Would you run with me? Would you just let's stumble together? But what's more important than anything else is that we just keep our forward motion toward that finish line. Don't stop short of the promised land. Folks, we're in the last verse. We're in the last of the last of the last. This is the moment. This is the end of it all. Don't get discouraged in well-doing, but encourage one another because this is the last clash you and I are going to face. This is the soul's Armageddon, this feeling of overwhelming in the year of pandemic. This is the moment that we just encourage one another in the Lord. I like what Paul said, Galatians 6, 9. Let me leave you with this verse. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And this is what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me all morning long. When you're feeling weak and you're feeling fatigue, it's a sure sign you're on the edge of an answered prayer. Oh my, it's a sure sign you're about to pass through the open door. It's a sure sign you are about to inherit 
The promised land, a stronghold is about to break. So stir up yourself, stir up the gift that is within you, encourage one another, provoke one another, because your season for an answered prayer is here. Your share of the promised land is on its way. Oh, can I get a witness to that? I feel like the king is coming. He is coming and he's coming soon. And we're going to our eyes shall behold him. And I want every one of you to receive your welcome, your isodus into that everlasting kingdom. Get through this season and watch what God is going to do in your life. Thank you for being a part of this. You know the drill. Share this with somebody. Leave a prayer request. Encourage one another. We need each other as never before. And may the Lord bless you this day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.